Cow. The Dodgers wonder why everybody hates them. Well, they should just listen to themselves. I feel ready to go another nine innings. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. All righty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us. Got another episode of stories for you today. Today, I'm talking baseball. I was actually going to do a whole episode about all of the sports that I love, but I realized I have a lot of stories about baseball because baseball was the sport that I first loved. Now, I don't know where my love for sports and baseball in particular came from because my parents were not into sports. My parents were not athletes. I mean, I've talked about my dad and he rode on crew teams in college, but he wasn't a baseball player. He wasn't a football player. The only sport that I know that he actually did was crew. So I didn't have anybody to learn sports from. I didn't watch baseball with my dad. I didn't watch any sports with my dad except for football. He loved football, and I'll talk about football in another episode. But baseball, I came to on my own somehow or other. And I I sat here thinking about, now, why did I first start liking baseball? I was trying to figure that out as I was prepping this episode. And I was trying to remember when I first started watching baseball. And I don't remember why. I was taken in by baseball. I don't remember why I became enamored of the sport. It might have been because I was watching TV so much and there was nothing else on on certain Saturday afternoons, so I'd sit down and watch a baseball game. But somehow or other, I just fell in love with baseball. And I mean, I was a rabid baseball fan when I was growing up. I loved the game. Once I discovered what the game was about, once I figured out the rules, I just loved watching baseball games. I watched every Yankee game. Now, this is back in the day when all of the local games were televised on your local channels. And the one channel that we got where we lived, the one local channel, I should say, that never failed us was WPIX Channel 11 out of New York City. And that happened to be the flagship station for the Yankees. All of the local games were broadcast on WPIX. And when I say all of them... Every single game was on the air, and so you could watch them whenever they were on. It's different today because the interest in sports is different, the rights and the money is different, so the local stations don't get to broadcast games like they used to. All of the local teams had their games on their local stations. The Mets had Channel 9. All of the Mets games were on Channel 9 WOR. We never got WOR near us because... For whatever reason, the signal was much weaker, so we didn't really see Mets games. But we always had the Yankees games. And I started watching the Yankees as a kid. Now, people are going to say, oh, yeah, Yankees fan, yeah, you're a front runner." When I was discovering baseball, the Yankees were horrible. Now, this is going back to the 70s. The Yankees were a horrible, horrible team. They hadn't won anything in ages when I started watching them. I started watching baseball long after the glory years of the Yankees in the 20s and the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. And even the early 60s, the Yankees were still a very good team. But starting in the mid-60s and going into the 70s, the Yankees were horrible. Now, I loved the team, but they never won anything. They were just really, really bad. But I remember my players from back then. I remember Horace Clark was the second baseman. I loved Horace Clark. Number 20. It's weird the things that stick with you, isn't it? Number 20 was Horace Clark. Number 17 was Gene Michael. He was at shortstop. Roy White, one of my favorite Yankees of all time. Number six in left field. Bobby Mercer. 
I loved Bobby Mercer. He was my favorite Yankee at the time. I thought Bobby Mercer was so cool. I don't know why. He was a great player. He was a center fielder. He was a very good athlete, and I just loved Bobby Mercer. So those are the guys that still stick in my head. There were other guys, and you know, people are in and out of a bad lineup, so you don't remember all of the players, but the fixtures were those four guys. And Bobby Mercer was the the star of the team. Now, center field on the Yankees was always the star position. You had, going back to Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio, you had those guys just ruling baseball as the center fielders for the Yankees. That was, the, that was like quarterback for the Cowboys for the NFL fans. I know I'm not a Cowboys fan, but you always know who the quarterback for the Cowboys is. Roger Staubach, Danny White. But the Yankees were my team, and I just loved watching the games. And I still remember the names of the crew that called the games. It was Phil Rizzuto, who was a former Yankee shortstop, Bill White, a former St. Louis Cardinal baseball player, and Frank Messer. Always my least favorite of the three. I'm not sure why. I just didn't like the tone of his voice, but I remembered Bill White and Phil Rizzuto calling games, and they were just so good. And they would rotate in and out of the booth. Each would call three innings of the game, and one of the guys would be calling the game and the other would be doing color and the third guy would be doing radio and then they'd rotate. Again, interesting to see how my mind works, isn't it? I remember that. I remember that like it was yesterday. Now, I always watched the games by myself because my dad was not a baseball fan. He did not like baseball. It was too slow for him. Now, at the time, baseball games were slow-ish, but not like they are today. Back in the day, a baseball game could usually get done in between two and a half and three hours tops. They've gotten longer over the years for a number of reasons. Some of it is the players spending too much time adjusting themselves on camera. Some of it is baseball expanding the time between innings. It used to be that you would have about a minute or a minute and a half between innings, literally just long enough for everybody to run off the field, the other team to go back on the field and get ready to bat, and they'd run two or three commercials, and that was it. Over the years, Major League Baseball has expanded the time for commercial breaks between innings to a minimum of two and a half minutes. And then pitching breaks back in the day, people would change pitchers in a heartbeat. Nowadays, you could take out a mortgage in the amount of time that it takes them to change pitchers. Games moved relatively quickly, so you could get the game played in three hours or less, which isn't really all that bad. But my dad didn't like to watch the game, so I watched baseball by myself. And I learned the rules of baseball, and I learned the players, and I learned the nuances of the game. And I actually wanted to be a baseball player at one point. You know, certain things got in the way, like me being the fat kid and never playing organized baseball. I loved practicing it. I've told you the stories about me throwing a tennis ball against the house for hours on end while I practiced my catches and my fielding. I had a pitch back. I practiced that. I put a tee up in the backyard. I practiced swinging at a ball on a tee. I did everything that I could to practice becoming a good baseball player, except, you know, actually play baseball. But I loved the game. I really, really did. And it's all because I started watching baseball as a kid. Now, despite the fact that my dad didn't like baseball, he did take me and the family to games. He had tickets available to him through his work. And so we went to old Yankee Stadium a couple of times to catch some really, really bad Yankees baseball. But it was a great experience. They weren't great tickets. They were in the upper deck and they were behind the press box. So you had the experience of being at the game. But that's all I really wanted was the experience of going to the game. And my dad knew that, and being a good dad, he, he suffered through some baseball games for me. 
And they were family affairs. We would go and he would bring my brother and sister and my mother and we'd all make a day of it. And it was a good time. It was not an easy trip from New Jersey to Yankee Stadium because there's New York traffic and there's parking issues and all kinds of things around Yankee Stadium. And if you remember my stories about my dad and traffic and delays, you knew it was a huge sacrifice for him to agree to go to Yankee Stadium, put up with the traffic and the parking and all of the stuff that goes with it in order to get me to a baseball game. It was the ultimate sacrifice for him, but he did it. Now, I was a Yankees fan, as I said. My grandmother was the only other member of my family who watched baseball. My grandmother, my dad's mom. And she was a Mets fan. Now, I never really asked her about it, but I assumed that she was a Mets fan because she had been a Dodgers fan. For those who don't know baseball history, back in the 1950s, the Dodgers, who are now in Los Angeles, used to play in Brooklyn. And in 1958, the owner of the team moved the team from Brooklyn to Los Angeles. And a lot of Dodgers fans were beside themselves. They were angry. They were hurt. They were pissed off. If it was happening these days, they'd go burn their Brooklyn Dodgers gear and equipment and hats and jerseys. Back in the day, they just grumped about it. But they also stopped watching baseball. Those who know baseball history know that the Mets came into the league in the early 60s. I think it was 62. And it was kind of the apology for taking the National League out of New York City. So they gave the National League the Mets. Now, the Mets were horrible. The Mets were always horrible. They were horrible for the first seven years of their existence. They won the World Series in 1969, and they went back to the World Series in 73. But I didn't care because I was a Yankees fan. Now, my grandmother was in her glory because her Mets were doing well in the early 70s. But I was miserable because my Yankees were never doing well. And I was a long-suffering Yankees fan at the time. Until 1976. That's when the Yankees started becoming good again. Now, free agency came around then, and they were able to buy some players, and everybody always accused the Yankees of buying championships, which, you know, they kind of did. But I didn't mind. I was a Yankees fan, and I'd been suffering for ages, so I was fine with it. I had no problem with the Yankees buying championships. Now, I have two stories from the Yankees' championship years in the late 70s. I'm going to tell them in reverse order, because the second one is the one that stays with me the most, which had such an impact on me as a baseball fan. In 1977, the Yankees went to the World Series against the Dodgers, and my dad was able to wrangle tickets to one of the World Series games against the Dodgers. Now, the World Series games were at night, and for my dad to get tickets to a night game on a work day, that was huge. And for me to be able to go out late at night on a school night, that was huge. So he was able to get tickets to a World Series game. So I can honestly say I've been to one World Series game. And my team, the Yankees, won that game. I remember it. I remember it because it went into extra innings on a work night and a school night. We were in extra innings. And my dad didn't make us leave. It was just him and me. He was only able to get two tickets. But he didn't make us leave. Ordinarily, I would expect my dad to say, Oh, you know, it's 11 o'clock. We got to go. Got to go to work in the morning. But he knew it was a World Series game, and it was tied, and it was exciting. These seats were way out in right field, upper deck right field. And we were out there with a bunch of the usual Yankee fans, and there was a couple who brought a picnic basket with them. This is back in the day when you could bring baskets and things into the stadium. So they had a picnic basket, a bottle of wine, fried chicken, salads. They laid it all out on their laps in front of them in the upper deck in right field watching the World Series. They weren't tailgating because they didn't want to miss the game. So I remember that couple. And I remember that Paul Blair was a big contributor to the Yankee win in that first World Series game of the 1977 series, which the Yankees ultimately went on to win. 
I remember that because the first World Series they went to was 1976. Well, let me rephrase that. The first World Series that mattered, and it mattered because I was aware of it, the early stuff in the 50s and the 40s, that didn't matter. I didn't care. I wasn't around back then. The stuff that mattered is stuff that affected me. (laughs) So 1976, that was the one that mattered. Now, I didn't have any tickets to the World Series in 1976, but my dad was able to get tickets to Game 5 of the 1976 American League Championship Series. Now, in those days, the Championship Series was only five games. So this was the deciding game at home against the Kansas City Royals. And this game is forever etched in my mind. It's forever etched in my mind for a couple of reasons. Number one, the Yankees won. But number two is the buildup to the win. Now, any of you who know baseball history know how this game ended, but I'm going to tell you my version of the story from my perspective, because this is why the game sticks out to me. And when I say the game sticks out to me, I'm not saying that I remember every detail about the game. I don't. I don't even remember what the final score was. I could have looked it up before I decided to record this, but I decided not to, because I just want to tell you the story as I remember it, unvarnished. Now, my dad got the tickets to the game, and he said, we're going. And I said, yeah. And I remember meeting him. My mom took me to his place of work, and we met in the parking lot. And she dropped me off, and we went from his place of work, which was in Morristown, and we drove to Yankee Stadium. Now, the build-up to the trip was this. I asked my dad, because I was in band, I asked my dad, could I bring my trumpet? Why do you want to bring your trumpet? Well, I want to play charge for the team. I want to be in the stands, and I want to take my trumpet out, and I want to play charge. Da-da-da-da-da-da! I want to do that to help root the team on. And my dad thought it was a good idea. Yeah, yeah, sure, go ahead and bring your trumpet. And again, in those days, there was no problem bringing boxes and backpacks and things into the stadium. I brought my trumpet to Yankee Stadium, and nobody even looked twice. Now, my trumpet case looks like a giant suitcase, but I wanted to bring it to the stadium because I wanted to play charge. So we get to Yankee Stadium. We had really good seats for this game. They were, I think, the same seats that we had the couple of times that we went to regular season games because they were on the second deck just behind the press box. And this is at old Yankee Stadium. And so the game went on and it kept going through the nine innings and it was a back and forth game, I remember, and I remember it was tied. And I remember being really nervous because the Yankees had never been to the World Series in my lifetime. So I was beside myself because this was my team and I was invested in this team. I knew the players. I knew the team. This was after they'd acquired Mickey Rivers, who was now the center fielder. They were really a good team and I really wanted them to win and I was a little kid who really wanted that team to win and I was so invested. Now we'd gone through eight innings and I still had my trumpet there and I hadn't taken it out and I hadn't played charge because I was nervous. I was shy. I was thinking people would laugh at me for doing it but the ninth inning rolled around and I had it there and I just said you know I'm gonna take the trumpet out. Now the Kansas City Royals had just finished up the top half of the ninth. And that's when I decided to take the trumpet out. And I was still nervous about it. So I was kind of trying to take the trumpet out of the case, kind of slyly so nobody could see what I was doing. But I remember this big guy with a beard, two rows over, and he saw what I was doing. And I remember this guy, big fella. So I have my trumpet out and I'm standing there in my seat because everybody was on their feet at this point. And he sees the golden trumpet come out and he looks at me and he said, Kid, did you bring that trumpet to blow it? And I looked at him and I'm looking around and I kind of cowered inside myself and looked at him and nodded. Well, then blow it, kid. Blow it. I'll cheer for you. 
And everybody around him started going, yes, yes. So I looked around and I could see that Chris Chambliss was coming up to the plate. And I was nervous about the game. I was nervous about the trumpet. I was nervous about people looking at me because now I was committed. I had a guy looking at me, waiting for me to play my trumpet. Now, I knew how to play charge because I'd played it in band and you play it screwing around and you know how to do it. But the question was, could I pull it off? Because now I was under pressure. So I pulled my trumpet up, put the mouthpiece to my lips. And everybody around me went, charge! Charge! And that's when the pitch came to Chris Chambliss. I had finished playing charge. The pitch came in. And Chris Chambliss smoked it. Deep right field. That ball was gone. Walk off home run by Chris Chambliss to win the American League pennant for the Yankees. And the place went crazy. It was insanity in that place. The volume was mind-boggling. People rushed the field. I lost sight of Chambliss as he was going around the bases. People were jumping up and down and fists were pumping and hands were clapping and people were going nuts. It was the most exciting thing I've ever experienced in my life at a sporting event. It was unbelievable. I wish that I had the words to convey to you the elation that I felt inside of me when my team won the American League pennant. It was unbelievable. And I remember we were trying to leave our seats because eventually you have to leave the stadium after a celebration like that. But my dad, my dad said this. My dad said, let's try to get close to the infield. So we went down a level to get to the field level because there were no people left in the seats. They were all on the field. If you ever have the chance and you want to look up the video, just look for Chris Chambliss home run on YouTube and you will see what happened when he hit that ball. So we got to the field level, and my dad was taking his time because he knew how much this meant to me. And I remember going out from underneath the overhang where the second deck was. And we didn't get that close to the field because not everybody in the 50,000-seat stadium could make it onto the field, although they all tried. But the aisles were packed. The people were bumping. The people were jumping. They were yelling. They were screaming. And I remember walking out there, and I still smell the infield. That grassy, baseball-y scent that's unique to a baseball stadium. And I remember it just filling my senses. I was overwhelmed with the sounds and the smell and the sights of the celebration of that home run. I was practically walking on air as we finally decided to leave the stadium and head for the car. But boy, oh boy, was I in heaven over that home run. It was many, many years later that on the Yes Network, I saw a replay of that game. I'd never seen the game itself because I was there. I'd never seen video of it. We didn't have VCRs at the time, so I couldn't record the game while I was at the stadium. And there was no way for me to watch a playback. But years later, I actually saw the ABC broadcast of the game, and I knew exactly what I was listening for. I knew exactly what I was waiting for. Just before Chambliss steps up in the bottom of the ninth, I turned the volume on the TV way up. And sure enough, I could hear my trumpet. And if you ever get the chance, if you want to hear some teenage kid playing charge for his Yankees, check it out. Now that's not the only great baseball moment that I know and that I experienced as a baseball fan. 
Because of my grandmother, I always had a like for the Mets. I didn't love the Mets, but I always had a like for the Mets. That's what I call it. It's a like. I don't love them. I like them. They're okay. I'm not one of those guys who can only root for one team. I can root for the Mets. And I was watching the 1986 World Series with the Mets, and I remember the whole Bill Buckner play. I was watching that live as it happened, and that one blew my mind. If you're a baseball fan and you've never seen the 1986 game between the Mets and the Red Sox, it was game six of the series. One of the biggest and best come-from-behind victories ever. But nothing compares to that 1976 home run, my favorite baseball moment of all time. A lot has changed for me as far as baseball is concerned since the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. And I'll tell you exactly what did it. It was the 1994 baseball strike. There had been previous strikes before, but 1994 did it for me. I really stopped being a baseball fan in 1994. The players and the owners had a big labor disagreement that resulted in the cancellation of the rest of the season, including the playoffs and including the World Series. Now, for me, a rabid baseball fan, to have that happen to the sport that I loved, because back in the 90s, I liked the NFL, I tolerated the NBA, but I loved baseball. And when I saw the people who were responsible for baseball just willingly kill the game, as far as I was concerned, I lost all interest and I lost all respect for the players, the owners, and the game. Yeah, I still follow it, and I still root for the Yankees, but it's not the same. It's just not the same. I have not felt the same about baseball in over 20 years because of that, because of the selfishness and the short-sightedness, and really the lack of any consideration for the fans, the people who really make baseball possible. Because if it wasn't for the fans, there wouldn't be baseball. And they didn't care. And since they didn't care about me, I stopped caring about them. Anyway, didn't mean to end on quite such a somber note, but you know what? Baseball was a great sport, and it still can be, but I don't think it'll ever be the same as it was before because the way the players are, the way the owners are, the way society is today, it's a different world. I still enjoy baseball. I still love the Yankees. I just don't have a fanatical interest in either of them anymore. And I guess that's life, right? That'll do it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and for sharing these memories and for hanging out with me. I really do appreciate it. You guys are the absolute best, and I can't thank you enough for all your support. Until next time, you take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you.